And now, Capital 263. Welcome to Politics and Beyond on Capital 263. My name is Christopher Farai Charamba. And I'm Tawanda Henry Beatty. And yeah, welcome to the best political podcast in uh, in the country. Um, we've recently returned from London. <laughs> Everyone's going to London. Everyone's going to and London we, these days. And we are going to have a hard talk today. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, wow. As, as the more politically informed amongst you would know, I think uh, today's episode's contents are pretty pretty clear. It's going to be um, Wamba, dear Wamba's... Uh, London trip. What's that meme you keep using? I don't know that story. Is it a Nigerian movie? Yeah, Osho, what's Niger- it called? <laughs> Osho, if we are in London. One more one, Zayn. It's a Nigerian movie about this dude who, who who goes to London. Obviously, you know, those typical village boy goes well, to the city. Timber comes to town. Timber comes to town, basically, yeah. Um, also, if we are in London, nah, it's it's it, well, it's a funny movie, but <laughs> I just I couldn't help it, especially when I saw him on the train, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> on the underground. Anyway, we'll speak about that, but yeah, so we'll we'll dive into what Zanuf PF has been up to. They launched their manifesto last week. Um, haven't gone through. Yeah, it. we would do. You haven't. We'll do. Let's. We'll do highlights of the Zanubia manifesto, and I think we'll, when the MDC manifesto comes out, um, we should do them side by side as a comparison. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so yeah, today is the twelfth of May, and um, let's get cracking. Zanubia last week launched a manifesto. Um, obviously, their launches are very uh, lavish affairs. Um, people, I'm sure, people in Zimbabwe and in Harare have seen the billboards and the the posters and the placards and all these things yeah. that have been going up. Um, very nice. Very well done, I must say. Though, the one... And I like the shot that um, Changiram Mkwaji took of the Zanbief building. Yeah, no, that was... That, Changiram Mkwaji does does great work. That um, uh, Look, you need to remember, because we keep promising we'll put stuff up on the Twitter page, what we never do, oh, but nice. it's yeah. it's the... The the, silo, the the not silhouette it's the highlighted shot at night um, of uh, uh, an imperious ED. It looks like something straight out of um, what was that? Uh, what's the name? Um, the Nazi filmmakers. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting her name. You know her, man. Nazi filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say. Not... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say that I got very you know Ozymandias vibes from it. Um, let me see if I can. Yeah, up. no, the Oz, Ozymandias is in, as in the, um, po- the poem written here, by yeah, yeah, yeah. Percy Shelley. Yeah, so the Nazi, the Nazi framework is Lenny um, Riefenstahl, Riff, Riff okay. and um, there's images. If you, if you, the best way to to actually talk about it, if you remember Lion King, when all the um, the hyenas are marching in in order, and all the banners come down, and sort of oh, scar is at yes, the top yes, there, and he's yeah. illuminated from the bottom. Yeah, yeah. She pioneered that shot um, during Hitler's time. So if you see that picture, you can see the lighting coming underneath Ed, yeah. and he's sort of in this imperious position. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then Ozymandias, uh, 
Well, the thing <laughs> that's, is, that's cool. it, it, so so Ozymandias is talking about you know a traveler who comes to this fallen um, uh, statue of Ozymandias or whoever the king was, and you know it's now in ruin. And I I just saw that and I imagined, well, this is perhaps what it looked like before it went to ruin. Um, and then there's someone else who posted something from Julius Caesar, I think it was. Um, I can't quite find the, but it's it's something about you know Julius Caesar and and a colossus. Someone describes him as a colossus. Let me see if I can find it. Yes, um, like a colossus. What does he say? He says something like a colossus. We petty men um, find ourselves under him, or something like that. And that's just you know the image you get where there's this huge portrait of Ed, and you're just standing under it. And it's like, the whole. It's it must be massive because I don't know how um, how many stories John Warehouse has, but that portrait is basically from the top to the bottom of, of John Warehouse. Is, it, is that what it's even called? Is it John Warehouse or Monomotop? What is it called? Um, I think it's unofficially called Chongwe Building, but I'm not sure, just because there's a Chongwe on top of it. Chongwe, yeah, but yeah, it. it's it's a it's a massive, and you know, like the Ozymandias thing. I think maybe after elections, I, like the one that I saw that makes it seem Ozymandias is that picture, not the Chongwe Mkwacho ones, the the picture of um of better roads, um, world class infrastructure, and then. There's pictures of potholes in front of the the billboard. Mm-hmm. That one for me really like <laughs> is that's that brings like crazy images. But anyway, um, in terms of uh, you were saying at least. Oh yes. Uh, Sorry, I just found it. Uh, it was Cassius who said, "Why man, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus, and we petty men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're well-learned people in Zimbabwe. In Shakespeare, Shakespeare Ainyora. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny um, how these things uh, repeat themselves, or you know, you can find so many um, parallels. Parallels, yes, yes. Parallels. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's on the launch. The launch itself was an event. Um. Uh, you know, <laughs> even though ED Fuel struggled to fill up the HICC <laughs> with free booze and free alcohol. No, but it was it was it was for. No, it's a joke. It's oh, um, okay. it's a joke. It's in reference to some some people who are saying that Takura will never fill up the HICC as a hip hop artist. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you do know that uh, this what where is it maybe seven minutes in someone someone is going to inform this someone that you are talking smack about it <laughs> shout out to Sadza in the morning <laughs> and shout out to dennis the snitch oh wow good times good times um, yeah. yeah shout out to the good people at Sadza in the morning shout out to um yeah so yeah the launch was central committee members i think and um, I'm trying to and think new, of the highlights. And from, the new MPs, because a lot of those MPs weren't even oh, central committee yes, members. And the new MPs, yes, and the new MPs. Um, so what happens if you're a new MP that came to the launch? 
but now you're going to rerun in your constituency and you've been forced out. Uh, well, you're still so, a ZANPF so, member, guy. Mm. You're still a ZANPF yeah. member, so you still, you still, you know, part and parcel of of whatever happens. And I'm sure that as a ZANPF member, you you are okay with, you know, well, surely, whatever the result, you should be should be okay with it. I do know that there's reruns going on. I do know that Mtsangwa um, is now unopposed. Sadly. In Norton, in Norton, in Norton yeah. yeah. I'm not sure when the reruns are taking place, actually, but I do know that they will be sometime soon. Um, I was trying to find that, that other report that was in the Sunday Mail that spoke about how many new um, parliamentarians there were. Or new oh, yeah. Um, in ZANU-PF. Um, Man, this group has so much in it. But anyway, yeah. If I if I do come across it, I'll while why are you looking? Why are you looking for? Why are you looking for that? We can just let's just quickly touch on the um, the Zanu PF manifesto in terms of the highlights and the things we've heard. Sure. Um, look, in terms of a news mover, I I personally won't won't lie and say that I've gone through it extensively. I think it's sort of it came and went quite quite you know uneventfully. It was maybe perhaps a damn maybe it's because i am now in echo chamber or whatever but i don't know if if it really resonated or you know had an impact like that even within zanu pf circles you know the people who support zanu were like yeah here's our manifesto and you know the people who don't were like it's terrible and then it just kept moving yeah i think uh one of the the big problems is that hasn't been widely circulated properly online so the launch was quite you know it was it was quite weird for me because also the design of the manifesto itself is terrible um i'll just i'll just start there and it's quite clear that the people who are doing it's quite clear that within zanu pf there seems to be different people handling different parts of the communications and they might not or they definitely don't seem to be coordinating which is a big problem for your communications department if there is no one central space. So the people doing the advertising, all these billboards, um, I believe, if I'm, if my intel is correct, these have all been paid for um, by some benefactor, uh, or it's it's a contribution to the party from an outside source. And they were they hired an agency, and this agency was paid in full and came up with this this part of the campaign. But the manifesto was clearly done internally within ZANU PF, and I think that they should have outsourced this, or outsourced the document itself uh, to independent thinkers, and also outsourced the production of the of the document itself. Um, do you know who Do you know who, who wrote it? Was it July Moyo, Chris Mswangwa, or George? I have. Um, um, so it it definitely wasn't George. I can tell you that. Um, but I'm not sure who it was within the party who was responsible for it. Um, because I can't think of anyone else who could have been besides those those three. To be well, fair, well, or like, is, I'm I'm thinking that it it came out of uh, Rugeje's office, so. He must oh, have been involved. Really? Well, uh, it, there, there is an involvement. On that I, that's weird. So he, I mean, of course, there's an involvement, but you, 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 so, I mean, that's confusing. You think ED or the civilian element in the government has enough trust to allow the military guys well, well, to write no, no, no. So, manifestos? So, so, so let's say this: 
it's it starts off at the Politburo, right? Um, and there is a committee. I'm not sure who sits in this committee, but obviously there are elements from all sides with Rugeje, who is the commissar, who will be involved in the process. So I think Rugeje, someone like Chinamasa would be involved. Uh, Mutango probably likes to, you know, he's, but I'm not sure if he's back in the Politburo. Mutango, I don't think so either. Well, I haven't heard. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, you know, definitely people like Chinamasa, the legal secretary, the um, um, commissar, um, who else do I think, Obin Pofu perhaps, involved in the process. And then I'm not sure which minds they actually sat down and came up with the document. We can go through the document a little bit. Um, you know, some of the things that they mentioned, and we're just going to, you know, hit the highlights, not not sort of delve deep into it. But they say our basis for the campaign, the vision is to transform Zimbabwe into a middle-income company by 2030. Zanabia country. Country. A middle-income economy by 2030. Um, yeah, you're saying company. Yes, because we keep saying Zimbabwe is open for business. <laughs> doesn't mean it's for sale. Zanabia will focus aggressively on reopening up the country for business with the global community. <laughs> so as to rebuild our industries, create more jobs, eradicate the scourge of poverty, and uplift, uplift people's livelihoods. As a party, we seek a renewal of the mandate for people enabled, enabled, to enable us to extend our transformation agenda. And then they go on um, the new dispensation from pariah to global partner, which is um, strange. Indigenization yes. and economic empowerment, um, they clarified their position, talking about more consistent policies. And then, you know, chapter three goes on into the guiding principles of unity, um, corruption-free environment, development, re-engagement, uh, job creation. So a lot of the, the manifesto is centered around this re-engagement that they've been doing, uh, which... Uh, Emerson Nangagwa and his team have already been doing, um, and I think that's that's their that's what essentially is their trump card is we're going to we're going to reengage, look for money, and use all this money to build the country. That's the thrust. Yeah, of it. um, it's a, it's the thrust of it. It's um yeah look. And um, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that they then go on to say issues of corruption and which is quite ironic, you know, because ZANU-PF are, are, are treating themselves as if they haven't been the ruling party for a very long time. I mean, I understand that the man at the helm is a different man from the man who was there before, but at the same time, it is the same party. Um, but now, no, definitely. I think corruption is is, is obviously. However, like you can't. Yeah, however, go ahead. Though, they seem to have a different ideological thrust. It's. I it's, think. I think there's an ideological. Um, I think. <laughs> Confusion, perhaps. Yeah, this, I would say. this is where I would there's, there's no there's no coherence or clarity in terms of the ideology of the party as expressed in this manifesto. To be fair, yeah, um, they, they, they. So, so this is my thinking: is that ZANU PF wants to recreate so, itself. And so I'll give you, I'll give you, and I'm reading from 
you know, Magaisa, who points out that, you know, ZANU-PF presents itself as a, it says it believes in free enterprise and a free market economy. And then in the same manifesto goes on to say that it's based on socialism with market characteristics. There's no real clarification of any ideology. And I think in the in the course of this podcast, we've spoken a lot about ideologies. And so, so, I, so, so this is the thing. I think ZANU-PF um, is stuck in a space between the old and the new, where it wants to move into this, um, you know, new space, focus on re-engagement, focus on uh, liberalization and a market economy. But at the same time, it's been rooted in a command system for a very long time, one center of power, um, that it, it's, it, it's failing to, to navigate the space from moving from one to the other. And this is why this, this manifesto um, is, is, is confused and some of the things that they say are quite confused and seem very contradictory. Because the aspirations of some of them are very different from the from 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 what is in practice or what they can put in practice, and it's it's the same. It goes to you know some of the things that happened in the primary elections where you have candidates who lose but can't stomach that, and then you know they go back to the old tactics of trying to re-engineer and put themselves back into positions. So be, before we we move on to that, like uh, to the primary elections, I understand what you're saying about that. What I mean, what I'm, you know what I can see from this manifesto, and I'm, what I wonder if you can, if you're while I'm talking, you can have a look at the social services quickly. Um, go down um, 4.3, where it talks about social services, because I want to go there. Yeah. But I think like, ED had the opportunity to define his party based on this manifesto if he had decided, because I know he's a person um, from what I've heard about him and from, you know, the times I've, you know, seen him speak and things like that. He's someone who does have a, a personal ideology, let's say that. Yeah. Like if he wanted to imprint his identity on the party, this would have been the, the perfect time to do so. Um he chose not to for whatever reasons. And I think he chose not to because I don't think he really thinks these things are important. The Zanopi of Manifesto doesn't matter because, you know, as far as they're concerned, winning the election is a, is a, is a given. So, like, it's, it's something that doesn't really require that much work. Um, unfortunately, because they, we, we need to speak about the nexus between government and the party, Unfortunately, because of that nexus, you sort of see a situation where the government right now doesn't really have a, a vision outside of Zimbabwe is open for business. But how does that inform social services? How does that inform individual government departments? And I think that's where they're failing right now is that there's no actual, um, for lack of a better word, there's no actual ideology of how to operate. Um, and before, in Gabe's time, it was a... Patriot, patronage-based kleptocracy. So you sort of know what every single government department is rent-seeking as its primary means of operation. So you know if you're going to go to a, a national park, you're paying $25 to enter the national park because you know they want to make money, not necessarily because they want to help the environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like it's, 
but now there's nothing there hasn't been a change but there's also nothing informing anyone of it and this is where it goes like why i wanted to touch on social services is is you know we we look at the things like they say in social services and these aren't small promises reduce hospital fees by 50 percent um health for all policy free medical treatment for cancer patients which is something chamisa also says um Ensure construction of more universities, construct schools in all new resettlement, resettlement areas, and a national within, within, ensure there's a school within every two kilometer radius of people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> these are things that need to be evaluated in, in as much as, you know, quality healthcare the promises have been evaluated. How, how, in 37 years of independence, we still have people. I know most of our parents love to tell stories about walking 15Ks, 20Ks, 30Ks for school. How how much well, do these things make sense? And more importantly, how much thought was put into them? The, the, the thing is, with the manifesto, and this one, like a lot of others that have read, reads like a laundry list of desires. Um and and i completely understand where you're saying in terms of how much thought was was put into these things it's 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 weird i think it's weird to understand especially coming from zanu pf because of you know the track record they've had and the ability that they've had to to implement a lot of these things and also the fact that they've failed you know to deliver on previous manifestos um, we didn't even speak to the point of, you know, that ridiculous 1.5 million houses that they put into it, um, which, again, I don't know why you'd uh, put figures of such a nature when you've come off the back of your 2.2 million job gap. But um, coming back to, to, to this idea of ED, you said him imprinting his ideology through, through this uh, manifesto. I really do think that they themselves aren't clear on what it is their ideology is, and this is why you then have this. And I think their internal struggles also impacted this. I also think the third thing is they don't believe that manifestos are necessarily important. They're great for the academics to pick apart. They're great for, um, you know, you to have a benchmark of the some of the things that you'd like to do but i really wonder how many or when you know zanu pf as an institution has, has ever gone to following its manifesto in its strategy to govern the country um and but that's what that's that's what i'm saying is that is that i i think when we talk here when we talk about zanu pf i try not to be anti zanu like I don't want to be anti-government. I'm trying to understand just how it's going to work. It's going to work. <laughs> like, like it's so much easier for me to attack them and just say this is nonsense, this is bullshit. But it's it's you know like I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, cool. Let's say Ed wins the next election and then he has to govern for five years. What direction are these people taking? Because eventually after Zimbabwe is open for business, you're going to have to deal with certain social issues and, and all these should be informed from this manifesto and it, uh, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't deny that. And I think, but again, my point is that I don't think that they themselves worry so much about the manifesto, which is why it is the way it is. But again, also, I, 
I really wonder who's, you know, running the show in terms of these things at the party. Because definitely there seems to be a breakdown in communication. And, and that for me is one of the most worrying things because it's going to lead to another factional situation. Um, you know, it's, and it's, people jostling yeah. for power, which then distracts from the nation moving towards or to where it should go. There's, there's, uh, yeah. I think let, let me let's let, we can move on to to the to the uh, the reruns and stuff. But I just wanted to remind people: these are the things that you need to to look at. Um, it's a, these are very important points. This isn't the manifesto. Um, doing away with multiple farm farm ownership, rationalizations of farm sizes in line with the ecological regions. <laughs> So bear in mind, these are things that are in 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 the manifesto. Um, the dualization of Bainbridge Harara Road, which is expected to create 5,000 jobs, which means for the sixth time, <laughs> Bainbridge Harara Road is dualization. By the way, I think that they, uh, they sh- there's, there's companies. Which company was it? Someone said that, mentioned this in the group. I think it was Ranga. Um, that B, is it? The the one that did the beef beef um, big five or whatever beef five or whatever. Um, Big Five Group, whatever it's called. I don't know. The one that does that's done most of the roads in Zim. Yes. Um, the, the Big Five Group or something. I don't know what it's called. Isn't it called Bitumen? I don't know, bro. I don't know. I, I don't know. So. I, I think it's called Bitumen World or something like that. But I think they should be the ones contracted to do that road because they clearly seem to know what they're doing. And I agree with Ranga's point on that. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll definitely go through the manifesto one a lot more and, and try to compare it to the MDC. Once the, the MDC, when the MDC one comes out, yeah. uh, then we'll. Okay. But um, uh, you were talking about yeah, so, the, so, so the results, results statistics, yeah. Yeah, I just you know give a highlight on the on the results statistics. I know you 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 shared that with me just now. Um, yeah, so there seems definitely to be quite a lot of new faces um, in ZANU-PF, and I hope that once. Uh, you know, the election happens, some of these people will be elected into parliament. And I hope that some of these people will be given an opportunity to also reform the party. I don't know across the board who all of them are, but it's good to have new people to with new ideas. Hopefully they bring new ideas. So you've got, you know, pretty much, I think the biggest changes are in Harare, Mashonaland East, Mash West, where you have 21 new faces and six old in Harare, you have 16 new faces and five old in Mash East, and 14 new faces and three old in in Mash West. I think everywhere except for Matt North and yeah, that's it. Matt Matt, Matt North is the only one where you have more old faces than you have new, which is seven to six. So there is some form of a renewal that has taken place within ZANU-PF. How it translates to leadership um, is yet to be seen. And then this goes as well to to ED's point that came out where he mentioned that uh, there's going to be changes to cabinet should he win the election. Um, And you hope that this is where the dead wood is seriously cleared out and people are retired because that's just what needs to happen. Um, I think from from yeah, go ahead. And and that from, the yeah. pool and that the pool of people that he gets to choose for, they are competent individuals within parliament. 
uh, look from 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 the the type of people that I've seen win uh, your Ozias Butes, your Campion Guerrero, your there's a lot of bad apples in the new crop. Um, but there's also a lot of good apples, to be fair. Yeah. Um, to be 100% fair, there's also a lot of decent candidates. Um, that guy from Chitungi is at the, the hospital, um, the guy, the head of the hospital. Um, then Jokonyo, uh, Dr. Jokonyo, the, 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 the water sanitation guy would be a great public works minister. Um, there's, there's a lot of good and bad, but you know, this is just a, result of the coup's natural conclusion. Um, we all know G40 had won the political game. So essentially G40 controlled all of the provinces and all of the, the leadership in those provinces. So naturally it follows that because the head was changed, because the power matrices at the top changed, uh, the party is going to have to follow suit. And that's just what's happened, I think. I, I generally believe that a lot of these new faces are... Uh, particularly in the terms of the business world, there's definitely lots of linkages. I I don't have enough information, but obvious obvious for is the closest, the most obvious one to to draw that linkage between him, Super, and and Lacoste. And and I think that's just what's happened. It's just a natural redistribution of power. In the same way, um, when Joyce Mujuru was removed in 2014, uh, you know, people like Timba Mdiso, people like like uh, like Reiko Akonde, all these guys found themselves on the outside of the party. So. New faces are, are are of course expected. Uh, it's because it's, yeah, I mean yeah. it's you just hope that the new faces bring with them new ideas and that you don't have a repeat system. So after the Joyce Mujuru, you got new faces in some individuals, but then you got more factionalism as well. It was you know it 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 went from one stage to another stage. We hope that this time it is moving towards. A, a completely new dispensation where the focus um, is on n- um, nation building and developing the state aside from internal ZANU-PF issues. Yeah, I mean, I hope so too. But if you look at uh, what then subsequently happened with these uh, with these um, you know primaries in, in, a, in terms of the situation of the fact that um, you know, Constantino had said uh, that if you lose your, your primary election, you accept the result and you keep campaigning for the party. And it seems that, you know, there's been a small a small minority of, of, of seats being rerun. I think I'm hearing reports from 10 to 20. It's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's sort mean, of... Show, well, so, so, show. So, so, no, no, no. I think the reruns have been highlighted and they're very... Um, Controversial because you have a controversial figure in Mutsuangwa, right? But for example, the seat in in Buera West, where I'm from, Mandipaka. Mandipaka was alleged to have been stuffing ballots, and that seat is being rerun. But that's one seat in Manikaland out of so many other seats. You have over 200 seats, uh, close to 200 seats, mm. at, at just the parliamentary level that went well where people ran the election. Obviously, the process was flawed and the, pro- uh, the process had its hiccups, but those seats went well. Those seats aren't being rerun. You have a small minority. <laughs> but, 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 have, Chris, you, but Chris, is it, is, it, is it the process went well or it's that there's no one with the clout within this regime to be able to call for? The people who have the clout have called for reruns and they're getting their reruns. No, it's, the thing is, it's, you have... 
people like Mutswangwa, obviously he has the clout, but he also he has a megaphone to make noise, and I and I don't dispute that. But I think everywhere else where there were discrepancies, even in smaller places like Buera West, where no one actually came up, the the people who complained there were not. Um, they don't have the clout that Mutswangwa has, and yet that seat is being rerun. So I, I believe that where there were serious issues that people had then those seats are being rerun. And then when you look at it in terms of the entire landscape, I don't think that it's as serious a problem as it is being made out to be. When you, no, no, but when, the, when, when, go you, ahead. When you look at it um, holistically, when you consider all the seats that they, that, they, that they went with, when you also consider that they tried to do everything in one way, I think the process came out far better but but that's that's than, what we said last week is that whatever you think about the Messi's and OPF primary we must acknowledge the fact that they managed to hold the mock election in 210 constituencies and I don't know how many wards yeah. on the same day so we've already conceded that yeah what we're what we're saying is that is I'm trying to speak at a more ethereal level in terms of the actual battle for the party and the battle for the party's identity because from me, from my personal perspective, from an opposition perspective, I want the best Zanopiev possible in terms of how it operates itself. I, I want Zanopiev, you know, Zizka. No. Like, and even that might make it stronger for opposition or whatever. That's fine. But that makes it better in of itself. It's the same way if you look at the Chinese Communist Party. Its internal democracy methods have become so strong over the years, except obviously your boy Xi Jinping has just decided, let me just do my tang and become president for life because F you and everything. But still, like we'll allow that. But the internal democratic processes are so strong that you know, you can almost argue with the, like, ah, it's okay, right? And if we are going to have to be stuck with Zanopiev, it at least needs to get to that point. Yeah, I mean... You know what I mean? But, but, so I, uh, but yeah. there's so many changes happening within Zanopiev. We must understand that it's a change of the leadership, um, a leader who'd been there for a very long time, longer than the 37 years, because if we consider, you know, when he came into into office in the seventies, Mugabe, that is. So there's a lot of changes happening. But but and, but, and, but and, Emerson was literally with him for that. Emerson has yes, been with Mugabe for more than fifty years. Yes, he was, but he wasn't the leader. What I'm saying is that there are changes, and with the changes, have uh, there are changes of ideology. There are going to be change. There's going to be a lot of friction in the process of the change. This is a transformational period for ZANU PF, and I think that once they have gone past this election, then those changes are going to start to solidify. It's still... Because you know, you know what the problem is for me, Chris? It, it wasn't a smooth transition from the previous leader to the next one. You can't expect that straight after the party is going to be this one smooth, um, well-oiled machine that is going forward. But the steps that they have taken so far... As much as there were flaws in some of the processes, they show that they are moving towards that space. Um, obviously, you still have people who are not comfortable with the way things are going and the way things are going to be. It just depends on how they are able to close ranks and how they are able to 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 move within themselves. Right now, you don't want to rock the boat so much. So you don't give someone like Mutango a rerun and then he goes on the outside and he continues to make noise and he still has clout amongst the war veterans and then you disrupt that process right before the election. That's not something that you want to do. But once you've finished the election, once you've, um, you know, um, sorted out 
your your main objective you can start to move to the internal processes and there's going to be a congress next year and once the congress happens or once you know this election happens and you see who's in and who's out um and and then people are elected to different positions next year that's where you're going to see i think the transformation come into full effect see chris what i'm afraid of is if, for example, this election doesn't go as well for Zanu as they expect, let's say ED fails to get 50%. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which Zanu takes over? The Zanu of 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Zanu of 2008, of 2023? I have no idea. That, and that's, that for me, is this, and then the thing is, let's say even if ED wins, Right, economics is difficult. The economy will go through ups and downs. Like no matter how best you do it, let's say there's an economic downturn in Zimbabwe, and there's protests. Right, we know Mugabe will send his riot police. Ed is not a riot police person. Chiwenga is not a riot police person. Are you going to see a situation where if there's mass protest, you 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 not even your pastor Evans for the older people they'll remember ninety nine the stairways two thousand the stairways if those are there those stairways are you going to instead of sending riot police are you going to send your tanks back on the street? I, and I, the thing is, there's a very real danger of this happening and right now the only way Zanu will become a good party is that if everything keeps going their way the second thing stop going their way is who takes over does Chiwenga step in and say look I know how to deal with dissent I know how to deal with this does SP Moyo say we've been doing this in the army we did this in 2008 how do we fix it and that's my whole question is that there are too many unanswered questions and I don't think any of these MPs, if you look at how quickly they switched from Mugabe to 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 to, to Emerson, that they that they will have any problem if Chiwenga says tomorrow that I'm now president, they will all say yes, you're now president, and that's a party for me that has no spine or no soul. That's a party that's led by the army, because I guarantee you tomorrow if Chiwenga says look, uh, because of protests, like let's say ED loses, you know, the fifty percent vote. And something happens during the run-up, and and Emerson and and Constantino says we're taking over the country for 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 stability's sake. Everyone will roll over and say, yeah, cool. Well, I mean, the thing is, when you've got a gun to someone's back, then obviously, then people are not going to to to, to do to do anything about that. And obviously, these are real um, issues and concerns. And I can't speak to the to the military aspect. Um, military intervention itself is you know this has already taken place and we've seen the effect of it in bringing emerson to power i can however speak to the to the politics um and the changes of the political structure within zanu pf itself if 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 chiwenga then wakes up once morning and decides that he's rolling through with tanks then that's a completely different um aspect but i do think on a political front, there is a transformation happening in ZANU-PF, and that is the issue that I was speaking to um, specifically. The militarization of it, we spoke about. We spoke about the Rugeja being in there and the issues that that you know that took place there. But I also think that this is something that can be dealt with in a post-election um, um, uh, situation. You know, all things being equal, ZANU-PF wins, ZANU-PF goes to a Congress. I think that you're going to see a political transformation of the party in that sense at that time. Yeah. Okay. I think we we we, we spent way we, too much way time too long on on, on these people, but much, um, way too much time. Yeah. But um, yeah. So but let's, let's let's go on to 
to to to the trip the trip in London. Um, yes. Let's 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 see. Ga 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 ga. It's AC Lumbo. Say ga ga ga. Sophia. AC is banned. We don't speak about him anymore. Don't be a hater, bro. That one's one. Look, remember we said it. I said he'd be perfect as a as a Trevor Noah type character, and he's that's what he's doing, and I'm very happy for him. And I and I think it's great. I don't think as a Trevor or John Stewart, like you know that type of you know political satire parody type thing. I wouldn't uh, put him on on that sort of level. I see what you're. I see what you're saying. Um, you I, know, think could, you if, know, I think if I think if he was to host a late night show, you'd do quite well. Do you know? Sure. Do you know uh, Scandal? You watch Scandal? You know what's her Scandal. name? Um, the one who was vice president, and she had the TV show. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, the Liberty well, I don't, Report. I, don't, I think it was called the Liberty Report or something. Um, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Like he's one of those yeah. insiders turned to TV because. Um, He's, he's the Joe Budden of... of, of, of. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so, so do you think... Well, yeah, Sally Langston. That was her name, Sally Langston. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's him. He, it, it suits him. Jaguita, Facebook Live and, and all of this radio and ranting and raving definitely suits him. And I think he should, you know, just stay there and make noise and get likes and and shares and all those things, but he shouldn't come into the main political arena. Um, but yeah, um, Chamisa, Chamisa was in London, traveled with uh, Tendai BT and uh, David Coulthard. And Diva. I don't know who else was, was um, on the trip. But, um, no, yeah, that's they, the main. That's the main people from, from the alliance. To, they spoke, he spoke at, he, he spoke at a rally in Bedford. He spoke at Oxford. And he spoke at Chatham Mouse and, and then Hard then Talk. He did an interview with Hard Talk. He also met with Boris Johnson and he was greeted by Theresa May. He was very excited about that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and he also met, for me personally, more, more importantly, he met um, Diane Abbott and the leaders of the opposition um, in, in, in England. Opposition. opposition. But you are there. You are there, so you know. You know. You know. Which there's a good chance that if if Jeremy Corbyn sorts out his 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 anti-Semitism in his party, he can actually become the next prime minister. Yeah. No. Perhaps. Um. I, I, well, those are British politics. Let's not do that because we've been digressing too much today. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so 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 Chamisa, let's start off with uh, Bedford because that's where the controversy started with um, his um, his trip to London. So he was speaking at a rally there, and he says, um, if Emerson Nangagwa, he says he's confident about winning the election if Emerson gets five percent of the in a free vote, and free election. Free and if Emerson election, gets five percent, five Emerson gets five percent of the vote, then he would give him his eighteen-year-old sister who's looking for a husband. Looking for a husband, right? This is what he says, um, and obviously this spurred a lot of controversy because you know people said that his comments were sexist and misogynist. Whereas, and, and there were a couple of press conferences that came out. There was one, you know, saying the demanding an apology. And then there was another one that um, defended Chamisa's comments and said that 
he was it was a joke um and it should have been taken as a joke it shouldn't have been taken literally um first and foremost free and fair election everyone knows emerson's definitely getting more than five percent of the vote free and fair regardless um, it was hyper it was a hyperbolic statement it was a hyperbolic statement it was a wrong statement to make no it was it was very wrong man like i don't i, th- I think like i don't um I don't think that it's the worst thing that a politician in Zimbabwe has ever said, especially recently. Obviously. Um, I think that he has the burden of a rapidly changing political environment. Um, and I think he has the burden of being young and, and knowing better. Like, he, he, he really should. And it's, it's, um, it's misogyny. Fair, fair. Apparently, there's nothing else to talk about. I don't think there's any any doubts about it. Um, so, what I will say, go ahead. So, 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 this is my thing. I think, obviously, you know, um, things said in vernacular and things said in English are different. There's cultural contexts around it. However, the statement itself, regardless of how you want to, you know, spin it was wrong. He, it's something he shouldn't have said and also something I don't think people should have been defending because the argument a lot of people were making is that, oh, it's, you know, it's, um, it's banter, it's a joke, it's, a, it's this, it's not to be taken literally. But I think in the context of around, and this, this goes to, um, you know, the Maureen Kademaongas and uh, Joanna, Joanna. Joanna Mamombe who came out with a statement, you know, defending Chamisa. And I, And, you know, there was this whataboutism of, oh, what about ZANU-PF and all the things they've done? And those are things that you can talk about. But I don't think that people should make excuses where someone has done wrong. I think it's to identify, especially where Chamisa, you know, puts himself as a transformational leader and somebody who is moving from the old and the past into this new environment. In a context of a country where you have one in three child marriages um, or, you know, women married before the age of 18 um and so many other things also considering that you know the child the child marriages act was passed very recently um you know i think those are things that he should be sensitive of and tone his approach or there there needs to be an awareness and i saw his apology there was an apology that was in news 24 um and one of the statements there that i think you know, blighted the apology was, I don't understand what I did wrong or something like that, to that effect, is what he said. Um, You know, he still, I don't know whether this was, you know, whether he doesn't get it at all, or he just said that, but I think... I think his apology was, I don't don't think people should have been offended, Um, but I think, look, it's... His apology was, I'm sorry if I offended you. Which I don't yeah, think is a sincere which is apology. which is which is not it's not sincere. It's, it's but I don't think that I don't think that he you know that that's the thing. I don't think that he knows better. I don't think a lot of people. Which is I don't think is, a lot of which, which I don't is, think a lot of people know better. And I think that he he for him saying that she's eighteen and clarifying that she's eighteen was enough of a disclaimer in of itself. Mm. Which is sad and worrying if, you know, that is his position of, of, of not knowing better or not understanding where people were coming from. Um, 
And you know, um, it's, it's a lot of things, especially just metaphorically speaking. He might have been speaking metaphorically, but you know, there's issues of women's agency and where the country is going in terms of women's representation. And there's so many other different nuances that can be picked from that. And I, I, I would, I would like to think yeah, look, that he, he'd have better perspective on it. And that apology was one which, you know, it didn't sit well with me. I think the whole comment for me didn't sit well. And for me personally, I think that like for, 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 for Tendai, from, for my father, who was standing right next to him, who is the lawyer that argued that child marriages case and is the reason that the child marriages law actually changed. He should have been able to provide that context for his for his for his alliance partner and as an older person he should be able to provide that leadership as someone who's been working with these women through through, you know, a constitutional case and a constitutional challenge which resulted in in, in you know um your know, Chief Justice uh, Luke Malaba changing the 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 con the how the law is interpreted about that, he should have known better because he literally has done whole cases, legal cases about this. And if he was involved in the drafting of that apology, he should have been able to provide that context. And that's when one one, one wonders because I'm not privy to it. I don't know what level of, of information or what level of, of coaching or what level of advising the other alliance principles are. Maybe they are, you know, islands, in, in as individuals in, in this alliance, but maybe they, they talk more often. But I definitely believe that personally, like from just from the fact that this guy is literally is the one that was arguing that child marriages case would have been able to provide more for context for that. And I you know guys, so I'm I'm disappointed in the whole thing. But mm. um one one of the things that he learns. Yeah, one of the things that gets me though is you know is the defenders or people who come out to, and this goes to both sides of the political divide, is you have the, you know, the, the favorite supporters who see no wrong. And it's a very dangerous, dangerous um, space to be in, especially where a leader listens to these individuals and to no one else. Where, um, if you, where if you do something wrong and you check with your base and your base says, no, you haven't done anything wrong, and you go off that and you say, well, if my base says I've done nothing wrong, then I'm okay. I think people need to be very objective. I think people, all supporters, need to be very objective about how they interpret their, their, their leader or their, the people that they, you know, that they, that they support. I think that's not within human nature. Chris, you used to hate Mourinho parking the bus when he was at Chelsea, but when he came and started doing it at United, still, you thought there no, was no, a no, brilliant... So this, it was no, a brilliant... No, 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 brilliant, no, no, no. Look, no. I mean, that's maybe a bad example, I, but no, what I'm saying is that that's not in people's nature. I completely understand, um, but listen, I, I, understand, I understand people doing it, um, you know, publicly saying, well, you know, defending their, their person in public. But I hope that in private you have certain conversations that are developmental. My only thing is I don't think some of these things happen in private. So if I look at the the the, the Maureen Kademonga and Joanna situation, where they come out with this press conference and a press statement, I genuinely believe some of these people actually believe he did nothing wrong. And these are the people that give counsel, I assume, in some areas to the candidate. 
these are some of the people that he then turns to for you know for perspective from a, for a different perspective and when you have it from those quarters then you you genuinely come out and say well i don't see if how or what i did wrong and i think those are some of the issues that need to be corrected yeah what i think is happening right now is like i'll i'll use myself as an example in this my views on this statement were very clear i think i thought it was silly i thought it was a terrible thing to say and you know he should apologize for it right yeah do i believe that he wanted to give his daughter, his sister to emerson no no do i believe that he could marry off his sister at underage no do i believe that he is misogynistic in that view no right can i see why it then became a political ammunition yes but now my question is am i reacting to the statement or am i reacting to the fact that it's been made political ammunition and that's what these people were reacting to is that it's no longer reacting to the fact that there was wrong but if 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 you as a woman are saying yeah this is wrong or you as a person are saying yeah this is wrong cool but if the herald is running a whole full page front page article about it right yeah then it's now no longer a a rhetorical device it's now a political tool and people react to it as accordingly and i don't think that there's anything uh, unique about that scenario um i don't think there's anything noble or about either sides of that argument i think that if if this was an ordinary person then you'd expect ordinary reactions but you don't it's not an ordinary person this is a leader of opposition so you don't expect ordinary reactions and if if people are more defensive it's because the attack is 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 disproportionate um and any rational person would be able to say that's a shitty thing to say but he's not bill cosby bro he's not harvey weinstein that's not what he does but you're making it people are making it seem like that's what he had done well i think obviously because it is number one it's an election year and two he is you know uh the figure that he is such um interpretations of it will happen um and it it it's 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 not new that you know the things that you say can come back to bite you especially as we are very close to to a political space and i understand that 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 you know people will react as so in terms of you know um how they then come out in defense but i also for me what got me the most was the apology the apology that really wasn't an apology i'll call it that um and then that 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 makes me wonder or invites me to 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 speculate on what sort of counsel you know is being given and what effect the strong defense that certain people receive then has on on them yeah but yeah um, um i understand but like anyway moving on to to did you watch any of the chatham house or the the oxford union um, I watched, speeches i watched a bit of the chatham house one i'm trying to um remember what exactly it was that i uh there's one part that i watched i think it was the question ha, ironically there was the question to deal with the women um which he Ah yes his response was I respect women because I came from one which is yeah that was that was that was a I thought that was a dumb thing to say because so many people well not so many people we are all born from women 
and that doesn't necessarily <laughs> so, so, many so many people, people. <laughs> <laughs> we're all born from women and that doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot be misogynistic or have you know warped views or treat women in a certain way so that for me didn't it didn't stick um it's but, like it's like saying i would never hurt a woman because my sister is a woman exactly, yeah um, I, um I, I i i do i think from the from the chatter mouse we can speak about the the comments that um i think her name is diane cheetah yeah diane Jeter, um who is married <laughs> to to an uh, a pro zanu uh i didn't know that academic I yeah, Dan Dan is married to uh, George Sadi or something who's who writes for your for your for your newspaper. Oh, I, did, I, did, I didn't know that. Um, let me see if I can pull up her her tweets. Yeah, so she had some. She she was there and she responded to. Uh, now you've given context. Obviously, um, she she has a a a, a side in the fight. But um, yeah, she came out. And she's essentially she said that Chamisas were a lot of big ideas, but there was nothing that um, concrete. No, no, she actually actually said that Chamisa has no big ideas. Um, oh, to no, go no, and look at, at tweets. Yeah, that's actually that's where I wanted to. I, I'm glad you put it there because I wanted to 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 yeah, I've got the to ideas. to speak about that because if you see what she's sort of saying is that um, Chamisa doesn't have. Big ideas. Well, she yeah, she says, I like the call for big ideas, not big men, but I didn't get a strong sense of the transformation Chamisa promises. Much of the program seems reactive and retrogressive, boiling down to we are not Sanu. One, as one questioner pointed out, it's hard to identify MDC distinctives. Um, more importantly, though, some things just didn't add up. A call for big ideas is not a big idea in itself. Um... Chamisa's only big idea seems but, to be changing the government. That's 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 for me. That's where you know she fails to understand this Bobon context. Um, if you look at how massive the reaction to Mugabe being toppled by the coup, not a coup, on the seventeenth of November two thousand and seventeen was. You cannot honestly say that a change of leadership in Zimbabwe is not a big idea. You cannot honestly say that after 38 years of one party in the country that a change of leadership is not itself a big idea. And I don't think that she was necessarily cognizant or fully aware of that. Well, I mean, it, it, it depends on, on, on what we're defining as ideas. Um, or uh, and and obviously I I I can see where you're coming from in terms of um, contextualizing it. Um, I think I'll I'll speak to to the Chatter Mouse event. I think you've got about thirty minutes. Um, it's an hour long event. You've got about thirty minutes to present, and then you've got um, another thirty minutes for for question and answer. And I was there for the SP Moyo um, one as well, and I don't think even he. Uh, said anything that was uh, concrete or, you know, revolutionary or, or ideologically sound. You know, it was just some of the, 
the nice the niceties and the ones that you you'd like you don't but, speak you don't speak in depth in policy at Chatham House. I don't think the the platform for that is affordable. For but I, I mean, Chris, so, what I mean, yeah. we understand that you don't speak in depth in policy. But what I'm trying to get at is in terms of like. Um, if you look at her economic proposal, get rid of the bond notes and have a proper currency within the multi-currency regime, right? Yeah. If you look at the, if you have a look at the video, he says get rid of bond notes and return to using multi-currency regime and join the RAND monetary unit. Yeah. She then says no explanation of why anyone would use a local currency or how its value against the dollar would be fixed and sustained. She didn't comprehend what he said. He said the RAND monetary union. The RAND is never going to be a local Zimbabwean currency and it no, doesn't so, have to be pegged to the US dollar. But that's one of our points. No, I, which is, I was actually speaking in Chamisa's defense. Um, by saying, <laughs> okay. <laughs> by saying, <laughs> I suppose you got caught off guard. I was not, um, I was not supporting, I was saying that that in itself is a point to say, get rid of the bond note and join the RMU or whatever it is. Um, or you know, have a local currency, or however you want to 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 put it across. That in itself is enough for a platform like Chatham House. You're not going to delve into the um, deep policy issues in that space because it's a limited time space. You can only rattle off so much within the time frame that you've got. Um, and I think when you say something like that it begs more questions. So you say, okay, get rid of the bond note and join the RMU. I think that's a great platform for deeper discussions into an economic policy, into such an economic policy can come about. But it's not the platform. Otherwise, you spend the entire hour speaking about one on issue. That one, on that one point and that one issue. Because you can spend the whole day just discussing economic reform or monetary reform in Zimbabwe. So I, I think for her, she took all these things that were surface issues and she wanted a lot more in-depth. And we'll see whether the MDC manifesto carries this depth discussion, but I think there was nothing wrong with what he did in the way he presented his ideas at Chatham House in the time space and and you know, you can pick up you can pick apart the arguments um or try to discuss them further in some of the things that he said. So, for example, this uh, RAND Monetary Union, Sean pointed out in the group that, you know, if we do that, then that just allows for an influx of goods from South Africa, which might uh, be detrimental to our industries that are trying to, you know, restart. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's, um, that, but that's, that's and, also a question is you have to ask, well, should we not be just talking about competitive advantages because perhaps we should be focusing on mining and, 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 and resource um, in beneficiation, beneficiation as opposed to trying to manufacture cooking oil in Zimbabwe. And, and, this, <laughs> and, this is, and this is the thing is you can go into real deep discussions on this one issue. That's a whole podcast episode if we really want to have it. You know? Maybe we should get Sean on. Sean, should, yeah. I think we should get um, um, Mr. Mashamando on. We should get Sean on. Yeah, we, um, we need to, to do some of these who things. Who else? Uh, Ranga, of yes. course, but Ranga, Ranga, Ranga maybe George Sharaf Bakuna. So I'm not, I, I don't think I'm intellectually <laughs> prepared to get him to get him on. But um, so 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 I don't think that Chamisa did anything wrong at Chatham House. I think you know for for the party leader, he went and he presented himself. He went and he, he presented the party and some of the things that they um, are trying to do or focused on as a party, especially going into 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 the election. I think this was 
uh, this the important thing was his introduction to um you know the international community um as the leader of the opposition um one of the oppositions um the the, the opposition the, mate. The, the 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 fake mdc t um shout out to my coupe <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I didn't go through all of the the I didn't watch the whole thing, but I don't think that he performed. I don't think that he did anything that Dan Jeter. Um, I think she was too critical of what the platform itself was and what was being, you know, what it was in what the intention of the platform or what he was trying to do on such a platform. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, and, and the can, same goes for, for the things. Oxford Union. I think he, he handled himself with aplomb. Um, and it, it was a confident performance um, as a student leader, as someone who's now a president. It wasn't, it, it's, look, it wasn't a win the way it could have been a win. It wasn't a Barack Obama at the DNC in 2004. Um, you know, it wasn't a, I don't know if that, if these things make any sense, it wasn't an each being Berliner, it wasn't a, 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 that type of moment, if that makes any sense. Yeah. There was no, um, I mean, look, it wasn't even an Asante Sanga moment or, or a definitive, um, where people would be like, yes, this is the one, he's the one. Yeah. Um, for the undecideds, but it was a he's he he handled his own and he didn't die, um, and that's the same with the Oxford Union. Kuad talk now is to finish up. Probably yeah. we'll finish up on this thing. Yeah. Hard talk is where people then uh, there was a divergence of views <laughs> of how he did on hard talk. <laughs> yeah, with so Stephen Sakwa, <laughs> Stephen Saka. Um, so I, 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 I watched obviously yesterday the, the, the hard talk performance. And first I'll start by saying that there is something known as an adversarial interview and an adversarial interview, which, uh, hard talk specializes in is one in which the interviewer, um, takes a biased position. And, and, and please can people who never did high school, even high school debating, what Stephen Sacco was, he had a bunch of researchers. He himself might not have had that position, but he had a bunch of researchers. He came in, he did his research, he was given, eh, this is how you number this person. Go in with this. And that was his goal, and that's what everyone who goes there knows and goes to expect. Yeah, so, so, so exactly. Think of it as a high school debate. That's actually a great analogy to use in the sense that you come in, um, you, know, the, you have your for and against side, and you're debating this issue. And this is how they, you know, Hard Talk approaches its interviews. And, and really, they go in. And you can go back and you can watch them, Juru, the Mzembi, the Chinamasa, the um, Jonathan Moyo. All our politicians who have gone, they have felt the same kind of heat. Um, that was Amanpour. But she has a similar but format. Yes, Amanpour <laughs> has, a, has a similar If Mugabe could walk at that time, she probably would have gotten up to slap Amanpour. <laughs> I mean, in terms of um, hard talk, you, what's his name? The Ivory Coast guy walked out. What's his name? Anyway, look, there's been yeah, a so, number of so notable moments where, in, where the heat has got high. So, um, 
yeah, so that happened, and obviously, everyone feels the heat. So, they, obviously, um, the, so the interview happened. He was asked on a number of issues. He was asked about the leg- his legitimacy as the leader of the MDC, the strength of the MDC. Straight out um, of the bat. First, first question. <laughs> I mean, that's a great place to start, Kai. You want to establish whether you're speaking to the right person. Are you rightfully before this panel, this interview? <laughs> He was asked about um, other issues to deal with some of the statements that he's made, the one specifically with Trump um, and the 15 billion. Um, he was asked about um, his trains, um, um, his bullet trains and the speed at which they go. And he was asked about, um, you know, the last question, which was I thought was dumb, especially on Saka's part, was that... Emerson, was going to win this. Yeah, Emerson's going to win this. Do you honestly believe that... Uh, do you honestly believe... Like, let's be, he says, let's be honest. Emerson's yeah. going to win this. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> and I thought and, that was... And, and, that's, and, that's where, and that's where you, for lack of a better person, that's why you need a Christmas Chango or a Tendai Biti. Because Tendai Biti would have been like, ew. Where are you getting that from? <laughs> Tell me why you are saying that. No, so, so I mean, obviously, there's no way you'd ask a, a, an opposition leader or anyone running and say, you know, obviously someone else is going to win and you think that they're going so to win. So maybe it was a point, point. Could he was laying it up there and Chamisa was a Dambura guy. He would have dambura <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe actually. Um, so yeah, so the whole interview took place, and I don't think Chamisa. I personally don't think he did bad. He answered the questions. He he kept he kept his cool. Where you know some of the times it it, it feels like badgering, um, and that's the style, obviously, of the interview. Um, he his comments that he makes at rallies came back to bite him, though, and we spoke about this um, that he needs to not use such hyperbole in some instances or find better way to lay his facts. So we'll speak about the bullet trains and that, you know, he spoke about dreaming, he spoke about trying to achieve, but you don't want to, I mean, it's silly to say Harare to 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 blow eye in 30 minutes. We all get that it's, 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 it's the dream and it's, you know, something that, you want to seem achievable. It works, I think, if you are not the presidential candidate. I don't know if this makes sense. Where, as the leader of the party, you want to go out and you don't want you don't want people to be asking you about these things because they are silly things for people to be asking you about. You know, you don't want someone to say, oh, the fastest train in the world goes at this speed. And I don't think those are issues but that as the presidential candidate... I think, I think, I think those, those things are, for example... I think, I think those things, there's a certain level of politics that people are, are over. Um, and I think the speed of the train and those kind of things, I think that was a... Uh, I, personally, I believe it was a, it was a poor question, and I think also it's it's generally a poor a poor idea because, um, like I mean, like like his answer was was an, it was a layup of a question for my from me to be fair, mm-hmm. because he said, look, this is this is just you know uh, infrastructure is the most it, it, he went to, his answer went into infrastructure, yeah, right, yeah, and and. Of course, he didn't have to say, you know, we'll get to Harare to Blue Air in 30 minutes, right? 
but it's 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 you know it's the same it's it's not really a a, a so, 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 um, so, what so, I'm trying so, to say so, so, what I'm trying to say is that the 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 attacking of that question from the mathematical perspective of whether the train will actually get there into thirty in yeah. thirty minutes or whatever yeah. is actually the wrong way to attack that question because it's a silly thing. Because yeah. if we were to then attack every single politician's questions like that, we could actually go on and on and on and on and but, on. But I would rather have said is that what's needed in the country right now no. when you don't have water. So 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 this is the thing. And I I I think that because there is a, you know, there's a trying to portray Chamisa as juvenile that is happening, obviously, in one side of the media, um, by, by, but not one side of the media, but also by the, um, th by the incumbents, right? And avoiding s making certain silly statements means you avoid these things just being discussed because you you set yourself up to have to defend these things which shouldn't be questioned you know what i mean like obviously infrastructure development is what he was talking about and infrastructure development is 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 important but now by making such a statement, you get people debating how fast trains go rather than debating um, infrastructure development. And it takes away from the point that you are trying to make because that's how you know people will spin issues. And obviously, it being again an election year, people will use this. And the people that will use this is your opposition or your opponent. Your opponent will take advantage of the fact that they can distract you with issues of defending, you know, some of these, some of these certain things. It's like, I'm trying to forget, um, which, 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 um, which election it was, but basically I think it was a U.S. presidential election and they were down in the election and they wanted to, you know, the, the, the argument was, oh, let's put out a statement that so-and-so, um, had sex with a with a sheep or with a with a pig, and they were like, "But that no, that was that was David Cameron when he was at uh, Eton." No, no, and no, he apparent it was, they, it was it was it was it was it was either David Cameron or, or so, Miliband. It so, was no, when he had sex with the the pig. Yeah, no, that so that I'm talking about before. I think it was a Lyndon B. Johnson um, yeah uh, election back back in the day, and they were down. And what they wanted to do was say, "Oh." Um, let's put out this information, you know, to the press to say, oh, Ningi was sleeping with a pig or whatever it was. Obviously, the Cameron thing, I think. And then the whole time he was defending that. And then that. they were like, and yeah, and then they were like, well, let's, um, but it's not true. And then they're like, yeah, no, that's fine. But he's going to spend his entire time having to defend that this is not true or speak about it whilst we can focus but, on our campaign it, issues. Here's, so, here's my, here's, go ahead. So, So this is what I'm saying is that Avoid saying some of these reckless things, and then you don't have to go out and say, well, this is what I was actually trying to say, or people don't bring them up. But here's my, um, my I, look, obviously, like, I understand that. But, like, you, you then look at, uh, like, like situations like, you know, Barack Obama saying he's going to close Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump saying he's going to build a wall. Yeah. You know, like, these are promises. These are things they've said, Right. 
I hear you. These are things that have been debated at the time. How are you going to do that? How it doesn't make sense. Obama didn't close Guantanamo Bay, and Trump is never going to build that freaking wall. It's just not going to happen. But I even look at like from the context I'm in right now. Yeah, like right now the Australian government has just released their their budget, and they've said that they're going to return the country from deficit to surplus in two years. Um, right now they are on a 15 billion deficit. Bear in mind, this is a country with maybe 20 million people, 15 billion deficit, Just that just shows you the size of the economy. Zimbabwe, let's get our act together. But, like, that's being torn apart right now, right? Yeah. yeah. But but it's not – it's what they expect. I, uh, it's, this, is, this is regular and normal political discourse. I, it's only – it's only – I don't know, there's something – Mature, and it's almost like we're we're experiencing, we're living through the crossroads right now, where we expect this level of discourse. We need to explain these things constantly, and every politician is expected of him. At the same time, it seems to be detrimental to some, but not to others. Like, it's 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 like it's there's only one hard talk in the world, and we don't have a local media that's capable of doing the same type of interrogation. So when we speak to a Mjango, when we next speak to a Chimnamasa, the questions aren't going to be around how difficult or how, you know, what's happening in the budget or what's happening in that, because we don't have that level of depth in our own local media. So why this BBC Hard Talk interview sort of seems so bad for some people is because they never have seen politicians being grilled this way. And in fact, a lot of people haven't even seen the Mujuru or, or the Mzembi or the Mugabe one because they just simply didn't have that same level of, 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 of reach. And the reason it has a lot of reach is because the ZANU trolls or the ZANU people have used it as an example of how bad it is. And at the same time, the MDC guys have used it as an example of how good this guy has done. And we don't come from a culture where you generally get difficult questions. I, I, or, or or you have shows on on national TV that have different talking heads where, you know, you have, like, Fox, even Fox and Friends has democratic spokespeople on and they debate. But we don't have that in our normal discourse. So all of a sudden, seeing a leader challenged and, and, and sweating it makes him look weak, whereas everywhere else in the world, people are used to this. Yeah, no, I co- I completely agree. I don't think um, you know. I I, I don't, this is nothing new um, in terms of political discourse, political communication, um, the way the interview happened, uh, the issues that were spoken about. I just coming from a different perspective. I think Chamisa needs to stop giving people ammunition against him, and it's very easy to do. Don't come out and say that Trump gave you fifteen billion dollars. Don't speak about numbers. This goes across <laughs> the board. <laughs> and then he tried to pawn that off on the on the African Development Bank and said, "Oh, by by their calculations, you know." Um, and then he says, "Well, it wasn't. Yeah, that that was a whole mess." But you can, and and this is where I think the MDC, what the MDC needs to do and focus on is they need to get co- a communications person working with them. Chamisa now needs to move to working with a speechwriter. He needs to work with, with uh, somebody who's going to be managing the PR, managing the questioning. Obviously, I think this is the last interview he's going to do before the election, um, and now it's going to be rally straight up, you know, going forward, which is a blessing 
I think and a, and and a curse for us is you know if if all our politicians I think I think I think you might see a lot of a, a few town halls I think you might see a lot of intimate settings um perhaps I think and and, and if those happen I really do hope that he he, they get their message clear. I always say, don't speak about numbers. It goes back to ZANU-PF thing. 1.5 million houses is ridiculous. Don't put that out there. Why? It's it's not necessary. 2.2 uh, million jobs, not necessary. Time frames. There's something treason, as I'm going to say. Hyper speaking. There's a man who there's a man who often forgets my birthday, but loves talking about numbers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred billion dollar economy in eight years. Don't talk about those million things. dollar jambam that a jambachi million dollars. You know, yes, a hundred million, a million dollar price of weed. Don't say these things because it's you know it 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 your point gets lost where people try to debate the fact. As opposed as, to debating as the a, idea. As as opposed to debating the idea. So rather sell the idea. And leave out the the you know the fact, especially when you don't have detail on it. If you do want to put facts, then put facts in. Find out how fast that train in Morocco that he was talking about goes. Find out what's happening with the with the train in East Africa, in Kenya, and 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 all those places, and give people the facts. But if you're going to, because your opponent will use it, and this is the thing, is that people end up debating the wrong thing, or people focus on the wrong thing. Let's focus on the ideas. I think the MDC is in a great position to just sell ideas right now. There's no need to sell facts because ZANU-PF has been selling facts and failing at delivering them, right? They say 2.2 million jobs, which they fail at deliver at. Focus on that. Focus on the idea of getting people back into work. Focus on this is what we intend to do and this is where we intend to create jobs. You don't have to tell people how but, many but jobs But here's, here's, here's the thing, though, Chris, is that the, I mean... Look, what's ended up happening is is we can argue about facts and everything like that. But what you what you definitely have right now is is you know when the MDC constitution comes out, you there is going to be a lot of the same uh, manifesto. The manifesto, sorry, no constitution. When when the manifesto comes out, it's going to be big ideas, big facts, big numbers, and I think that's the the where it's going to it's literally that's that's the that's what it comes down to if this if this election was happening in a in a different economy or in a different country and in a situation where other factors weren't at play um if it was just manifesto versus manifesto it was it would be a choice between you know reasonable promises and you know transformative promises um you know, for me personally, um, it's, it would be a choice between transitional leadership, um, ADs, transition, transition from Mugabe, from low expectations to medium expectations, you know, from low expectations to, to, to medium economy expectations, and, and from someone who wants to transform from low expectations to, to super high expectations and super dreaming and whether it's possible or not is, is a different debate, but that's I, just what it's going to always be like. And I think that's the, that's the real difference in ideology that these two, we can, we can talk about the small ideas. We can talk about the random dreaming, but the real difference in ideology is that 
you know, ED's people, ZANU-PFC's incremental change is the way to go. And the MDC says that we can't simply afford to have incremental change anymore. I, 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 I want to ask a question. This is a really long episode, by the way. Um, so that's, <laughs> yes, that's just, bloody long that's, episode. That's let's just, finish, please. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's wrap up. But, uh, you know, we spoke about the idea of a transitional leader and a transformational leader in previous podcasts. And this was before the coup happened. What do you think we need? Because there we were agreed that our next leader should be a transitional leader, and then we have a transformational leader from 2023 to 20 beyond going forward. Are you still on the same position, or has your position changed based on the circumstance that we find ourselves in? Um, my position has changed not on... No, I think, I, think, I think ED is a transitional leader, but I don't think that he's a transitional to civilian leadership. My worry is that whoever the next president of the country is is going to to have a a disregard of civilian institutions and my use my words very carefully i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the military leader i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the next general ian kamawa for example was a, was a, was a soldier and he was a brilliant leader in my opinion um, Kagame as yeah, look let's not talk about him he's a bit of an idiot but you know they've been good military leaders, but how they've been good military leaders is because they have respect for civilian institutions. Um, I don't think ED will transition us to a situation where the civilian institutions are strengthened. Um, I think that the basis of the economic plan in Zimbabwe is a command economy, and a command economy is by necessity run by a military element. And without that civilian you know, leadership, I don't think that we can really go forward. Fair enough. So, no, we're not, we're not transitioning to anything that, for me, makes any sense. No, fair enough. I, I was just wondering in terms of your, your ideas on transitional leader or what kind of leader you think we need. Not specifically what kind yeah, of leader I, ED will be. Yeah, ED, I look, I mean, I'm... I, I'd be very so, happy so, to be wrong, so, but so, I think no, I, I not on ED itself, but just Zimbabwe itself, because on the idea of a transitional or transformational leader, what do you think we need in this stage that we find ourselves in? Or do you think that the two can be merged? Do you think that one can be a transitional and transformational leader? What are the differences between the two? I think we can debate this on another day. Another discussion that I want yeah. to have is we, on, on... You guys let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. I think we'll... Yeah, let we'll, us know whether should we want a transitional or transformative leader or yeah. whether the two can even happen. And actually, what what are we defining as a transitional leader and a transformational leader? I think these are this is something we might be able to debate or to a discussion we can have in the next episode. Another thing that I, I want to discuss... So I bring uh, Openu for that, actually. Yeah, sure. And one thing that I really want to discuss as well is the MDC as an institution and the way it is organized and whether it is um, adept to running institutions. Um, and this comes from the idea of its communication, which of late has been very you have so many different people speaking different things on the party you have the wendes you have you know the official people like anatambarinyoka and 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 such um 
Blaz, please and, also don't 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 forget that Jonathan Moyo and 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 the rest of Zano PF were busy numbering each other on social media like I, less I, than seven months ago. I, I don't I don't dispute that. But <laughs> so let's anyway 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 let's let's finish wait, let's finish yeah, as well. yeah, let's finish. But what I'm saying is, um, that's going into what about ska? Because I want to focus on the MDC itself as an institution. Your is a what about <laughs> You're a fool, but um, so so so, so that's that's an yeah. But I understand. I understand. I think those are very um, very also good. If we decide to do a midweek episode, maybe we should tackle one of those before any new news happens. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah. Look out for that. Um, anyway, this has been a long episode. I hope you guys uh, have the patience and time to sit down and actually enjoy it. Um, yeah. We'll see you in social medias. <laughs> right. Um, Facebook. Uh, politics and beyond twitter at poly and beyond zw tweet us uh share like also please 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 if you're listening to this on an apple device please 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 um comment go and comment and like the thing you saw i did it myself and i looked like it's whack on yeah, so did I. I had to put up a comment and review myself. So please comment, rate, and review our podcast. We 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 need it. Um, you know, it's it helps in terms of being able for the podcast to be found and all sorts of other metrics. So please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, thanks for listening. Cheers. All right, cheers, Mama. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now, Capital Two Six Free.